Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. I love the Word of God. It's a lamp unto my feet. It's a guide unto my path. It is a book full of promises. The promises are yes and amen to those who believe. I believe today everything this book says. It is complete truth. It is all that I need to live a life that will please God. I believe I can do what it says I can do. I believe I can have what it says I can have. And I believe I am who it says I am. Turn to somebody right now and say, you'll never, never, never be the same again because of this book. Holy Spirit, Anoint my mind and anoint my heart to be receptive soil for your truth. Praise the Lord. Go ahead and have a seat. Um, got a lot of material today. I'm going to do my best to, it's not about getting through to the end, but do my best to bring up, we've been kind of dealing with the last few weeks about spiritual warfare, about putting the armor of God on, all of those kind of things. I understand that uh, in the ladies' uh, Tuesday night meeting, they've been kind of going over some of the, some of those same scriptures. And um, I'm not threatened. They may probably be doing a better job pre- presenting it than, than I did. My wife thought maybe they did, but uh, I'm secure in Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. But um, I want to talk to you today about pulling down and removing strongholds from your life. Over in Isaiah 61... If um, uh, if you have that, uh, it's I, I don't know if we'll have that verse up on the screen, but I want to read a verse here from Isaiah 61, where Jesus used this in the temple as he got up to read, and and of course, this is this scripture was prophetic about Jesus and what his life would be and what he would do, why he came. So he said, "The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me." So all listening to him reading that day, they they knew it was speaking of the Messiah to come, but that day, what he was saying is. I'm the Messiah, and I'm here, and the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And because of that anointing, he said, I've come to preach good tidings to the poor. And then there were several things that he mentioned here. He said, and he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The world has no answers or remedies for bondage and brokenness. Let me say that again. The world has no answers or remedies for bondage, bondage and brokenness that happens to every human being in the processes of life. They'll try their best, and counsel is good. I mean, you know, the Bible talks about it. Uh, it's good to receive counsel. It's good to receive input. Uh, but counsel is not the remedy for brokenness or bondage. It, it's, it can give you insights. It can give you tips. It can give you pointers, but it doesn't fix it. And so for bondage, oftentimes now in in our day, and thank God for medical advances, you know, many times when people are struggling with something that is destructive and negative and they can't get over it, the 
psych- psychiatric community, that kind of thing, they, the primary way that they deal with that now is through a process of counseling or talking or going over a bit. Their primary uh, way they deal with it now is through uh, trying to adjust the chemistry of people's brains and bodies. And, and if, if you have a chemical imbalance, hey, that's a proper, that's a proper way to go. And please don't take anything I'm saying today as saying if you're in some type of uh, care like that, that uh, you shouldn't be doing that. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, what I am saying is that if it's not a chemical imbalance, just trying to adjust the chemistry in your brain won't, won't fix it because that's not what it is. Brokenness in, in life. And we, we have a, a grief share here. And Judith, I know I saw her here earlier. I'm looking for her. but I'm, Oh, there she is. Way over there. There's Judith. And um, uh, thank God for that. Uh, but there's only one that really has the ability to comfort, and he's called the God of all comfort. We can comfort one another. We weep with those that weep. We, re- we, we, we rejoice with those who rejoice. But true comfort that, that can put back together broken pieces inside of a person over loss or whatever, uh, God's the only one who can do that. Jesus is the only source for true healing and freedom. That's the premise that I'm taking and that we're the foundation that we're going to be going down when we talk about pulling down and removing strongholds from your life. And as we go through the next few minutes, um, strongholds, we'll, we'll give at least a, a rudimentary definition of what those are. But I want you to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. I'm going to read those, um, that verse, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, Weapons of warfare, we're not fighting a fleshly battle, we're not in this carnal thing about just my own strength. But what we've been given in our weapons for the warfare that we're involved in, those weapons are mighty in God. And this is what they're for, this is what they do, for the pulling down of strongholds. Over in 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul was talking to his young son in the Lord, to the, his protege, to who he was going to turn over the ministry to. And it's very amazing what he told Timothy. And... Um, he said, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy. Y'all should have a son or a daughter in the Lord. Hopefully more than one, hopefully many. Mm-hmm. According to the prophecies previously made concerning you, I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies, that is what the prophets and the prophetic utterances over your life, what they were made to you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So my question is, how's your battle going today? That's what he was telling Timothy. He said, Timothy, you've had, you've had some powerful words of God over your life. And, and the word of the Lord is always the same. It's that if you follow him, he'll make you more than a conqueror, more than an overcomer. He'll give you peace and joy and freedom and liberty and all of those things in the Holy Ghost. Well, probably the best way for me to at least illustrate and thereby you know, try to define what a stronghold is, there are 12 root strongholds. And I'm just going to read through. There's some scripture verses there. With each one, I'm not going to comment on them. Um, but the battle that we're fighting, because it's not carnal or fleshly, it's spiritual. Here's what happens. And I love the day that we live in. I love our modern society. I really do. I thank God that I'm not living when there was no electricity and clean water. and Yeah, no dentists, that's right. Uh, but the problem with the modern society, especially in the Western uh, cultures of our world, is, is they've taken this notion that science has all the answers, and I love science. But in that, what they've done is they've dismissed the supernatural side of humanity, the spiritual side of your life, of my life. And along with that, they, they have removed the, this whole idea that there's a supernatural realm that has angels. And guess what? If there are angels there, there are, there are demons there as well. If heaven is real, hell is real. Uh, thank God we're on the winning side. But So what I'm going to be talking about today, I, I've uh, you know, been here almost a year 
Uh, you, you folks are ready to, uh, I, I'm ready to kind of go down a, a road that I haven't gone here. And I want to preface what I'm getting ready to say in that um, I'm not saying if any of these next few things that I talk about, it doesn't mean that you're demon-possessed at all. I don't believe Christians can be demon-possessed. But I believe that we can be harassed by the enemy. I do believe that if there are areas of life that are out from under uh, uh, the, the obedience of us coming in line with the Lord, well, then, as Susan mentioned earlier, yeah, there's this whole process of reaping and sowing. If you open doors to things in your life, if you um, are involved in things that uh, the Lord would rather have you not involved, they can create strongholds or bondages or areas of your life where you're living below what the perfect plan and will of God is for your life. And so I'm going to go through these 12 root strongholds, and then we're going to talk about how to, how to face these, how to deal with them. What, what are some of the, what, what's the approach a Christian can uh, do and involve himself in if, if by the anointing of the Spirit of God, you, you come to a, a, a recognize, recognizing that, man, I've got some of these things offering in my life. By the way, as I go through some of these lists, if, if there's something there that you're, um, that's, that you're struggling with in your life, it doesn't mean that it's even a stronghold. Because there is the carnal nature of our life. There is the fleshly part of our life. There is the psychological part of our life. But if it's something there, and no matter what you've tried to do to get victory over it, then it may be something that the enemy has decided to just stake a stake in the ground of your life and just not let you go until you uh, come along and say, you need, you have to let go. You don't have a choice because I'm up under the blood of Jesus. And uh, so we're just going to dive in here. Uh, the first one out of these 12 root strongholds, and there are, there are a number more, but I just like the number 12 in the Bible. <laughs> but these are the main ones that I've been able to find. The spirit of infirmity over in Luke 13, 11. And it says something, um, the spirit of infirmity. Okay, all right, I'm not going to turn. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, who was bent over and could not raise herself up. Here, this woman that Jesus was getting ready to set free, it says that she had a spirit of infirmity. Now go back to the previous slide, Michael. What, what is a spirit of infirmity? Well, some examples are disorders of the body. Attacks on identity, strange symptoms, things are going on. Has, has anybody ever had a doctor tell you, yeah, we just can't quite figure out why that's happening? I'm not saying it's a spirit of infirmity, but in fact, you've tried everything else. The Bible says that you know, we, have, we have many gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are nine specific gifts of the Holy Spirit that, that help, but there's, all, there's this whole process of, of this um, gift of discerning of good and evil. That is, what spirits are from God and what spirits are from the enemy? In dealing with these kind of things, you need to be seeking out and saying, Lord, give me a discern- the gift, the anointing from heaven of discernment, not of suspicion. I'm not trying to figure this out in my own mind. I'm not going to try to Google everything I have, and by the time it's done, I'm convinced I'm going to die before the day is over. No, I need an actual anointing where he gives me insight and discernment. So the spirit of infirmity. The next one is the spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit. Somebody just say, thank you, Jesus. But what, ha- what has he given us? He's given us power and of love. And a sound mind. So what's the spirit of fear look like? Well, it includes fright. It includes torment, inferiority, inadequacy, worry, a critical spirit, tension, and fear. Every one of us deals with fear and has dealt with fear and will do it. Perfect love casts out all fear. It doesn't mean that you're never, going to have, you're never going to experience fear again. It just means that fear is not, under the perfect love of Jesus, fear is not uh, able to be the dominant controlling thing of your emotional life. But there is a spirit of fear. And he'll try to hold you bound to it. The spirit of divination in Acts chapter 16. Here Paul was dealing with um, this um, uh, ministry as he went into this mission field. And now it happened as he went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination. A spirit of divination. And then it goes on and talks about it. What's a, what's a spirit in divination look like? Well, rebellion, witchcraft, occult practices, black arts. I mean, that's starting to get into some of the 
some of the dark side of things, spirit of divination. Oh, that, that, that stopped a long time ago. No, it's very much alive and real and, and, and always has been and always will be there until Jesus comes and puts an end to this uh, world and, and uh, throws, the, throws the enemy in the pit forever. There's this thing that just loves to rebel. Now, that doesn't mean that you're a teenager. <laughs> doesn't mean that at all. So don't go down that road. But when it's something that begins to be con- connected to witchcraft and occultic practices, that's what this young lady had. The next one is spirit of immorality. And Hosea 4.12, it says, By people ask counsel from wooden idols, and their staff informs them, for the spirit of harlotry has caused them to stray. They have played the harlot against their God. Um, this, this spirit of immorality, lust, pornography, rape, incest, pride, love of the world, I think some of the things that we're seeing manifest in the culture right now, I didn't put them up there, uh, but I think this whole craziness with sexual identity, that now there's 20 plus or more different you know, genders and all of that's that's not normal. That's abnormal. And behind a lot of that, there's a spirit. The spirit of bondage, over in Romans 8.15, the spirit of enslaving or bondage. 8.15 says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. What I'm amazed with, and I've had a lot of conversations about this topic through the years with other pastors and leaders, and, and it kind of ends up in two camps. Where, well, where uh, either everything is a spirit, or nothing's a spirit. Well, if you just read the Bible, you find this language over and over and over again. You just need to keep it in context and in balance for what it's really talking about. He said, you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, the fear. What's he saying? You did have a spirit of bondage. What was it? Serving sin, serving your flesh, serving, you know, the ways of the world. But as you became a Christian, you did not receive a spirit of bondage. Serving God isn't being in bondage. It's being free. It's the only experience that is of true freedom. And so this enslaving bondage, what what are some of the symptoms? What are some of the things? Addictions, bulimia and anorexia, um, codependency. The reason I live is all wrapped up in another person. That's bondage. Yeah, we love our spouses. We love our families. We love our children. But you're not alive just to be married. There's more to life. Codependency and obsessive disorders. I've been convinced a couple times through my life that I probably, had I not become a Christian, I would have had been diagnosed as compulsive obsessive disorder. That's some of you. Probably wrestling with right now. This is how it manifests in our home. It's most vividly portrayed or, or identified and seen in the dishwasher. Yeah. To the point that I try to cut my wife off from the dirty dishes in the sink and get to them so I can put them in the dishwasher. I know none of you know what that's about. Because when she gets there and I go to the dishwasher before it's been washed and I open it up, or even worse, after they've been cleaned, I open it up, and I see the absolute total disarray of the dishes. <laughs> and I think, did my dog put those in the dishwasher like that? They're just thrown in this way, that <laughs> we're just We're just kidding with one another now. No, for me, it's very, very precise. Forks and knives and little plates and big bit. Had it not been for Jesus, I, that's, there's a spirit associated with that. Obsessive disorders can be i got to keep moving on. The spirit of pride over in Proverbs 16, 18 through 19. Um, pride goes before destruction, right? King James, pride goes before a fall. A haughty spirit before a fall. 
better be of a humble spirit with lowly than divide the spoil with the proud. So what is the spirit of pride? Oh, it's all over our culture and our world today. It comes out in pride. And a lot of times it can be political pride. It can be financial pride. It can be pride of, of what you own. It can be pride of your race. It can be pride of your education. I mean, our culture is filled with all manners of pride. And there are sometimes spiritual um, uh, spirits that really try to hold people in that. Scorn, mockery, egotism. Gossip is really, if someone is just, they can't control talking negatively about other people and about things and about just, you know, it doesn't, it's not just limited to the church, trust me. Uh, that, a lot of, there are some times where there's a spirit. Criticism, spirit of pride. The spirit of perversion, Isaiah 19, 14. Uh, the Lord has mingled a perverse spirit in her midst. He's talking about Egypt. And they have caused Egypt to err all her work. I think that spirit is operating in the world today. I think it always has been. But you don't have to look far. Do you know what the number one use of the Internet and these things are? You probably do. It's looking up things that shouldn't be looked up. Far more, it's pornography. That's the number one thing that happens on these things. I can't say I was shocked about it, but I was just like, surely, science or finances or you know, college people, whatever. But no. Well, there is a spirit of immorality. It's, all, it's always been on the planet. It's always been around, and it's still there today. So what are some of the things there? Lost pornography, rape, incest, pride, love of the world. I need to go on down. Uh, I, I'm in uh, Isaiah 19, rather. Um, homosexuality, sexual perversion, and abnormal activities. It doesn't just, it's not just limited to the sexual side of things, but there's a lot of abnormal activities that come out in this perversion thing. Self-destructive things. Next one. The spirit of Antichrist, 1 John 4, 3. Uh, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, uh, which you heard was coming and is now already in the world. The spirit of Antichrist. It takes away glory from Christ. So do you think there's a spirit of Antichrist working in the world today? Just look at the news. Just look at what's you know in print. Uh, Paul said it was said right there. He said it was it was actually working in his day. Jesus alluded to that as well. But what's the spirit of Antichrist? It takes away glory from Christ. It denies supernatural gifts, attributing them to Satan. Opposes, harasses, persecutes, and divides true true ministries. It tries to shut down the gospel. Is what it really tries to do. So when you hear of, whether it's in this country or every other country, when you hear of legislative efforts to try and keep people from preaching or testifying, or I saw something that uh, Israel just went through their Knesset. I just saw it last week. They, I can't remember exactly the wording, but they passed a law that they would not make it illegal to evangelize in Israel. Because why? Because a lot of countries are. And they have decided, you know, if people want to go there, as Christians or I'm sure other religions, but they're not going to limit that process. Well, I think that's a good thing. We see just the opposite forces trying to do just the opposite in our country. They, they haven't done it yet, but they, they would like to. That's the spirit. Uh, the spirit of depression or heaviness, Isaiah 61, says that uh, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of the righteous, trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Why all that? That he, that God, may be glorified. The spirit of depression or heaviness shows up in this, in depression. Abnormal grief. There is a right way to grieve. There's processes of, of grief. But abnormal grief is whenever there's no uh, healing or resolution or coming out of it. Forty years later, you're still grieving over something that the Lord um, should have brought healing into your life. And so um, abnormal grief, hopelessness, 
and suicidal thoughts. Do you know through COVID, suicide, particularly in certain age groups, the young and the geriatric, the old, I, I saw the number, I can't remember, but it skyrocketed. Well, it's just because they were shut in. Oh, probably. But I can tell you as a follower of Jesus that somewhere along the line, there was some spiritual activity going on. The lying spirit in 1 John 4, 6, that we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know that the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, and that will translate out deception or lies. It's, it's, it manifests itself or shows up in unbelief, Deception, there we go. Intellectualism. I love that one. I was just kind of looking through it. At first I thought, man, is that... But whenever the wisest, smartest people on the planet, and out of all of the things they do, and the literally hundreds of billions of dollars that go into the pursuit of intellectual advancement, and one of the main things that's come out of it is that there's no God, there's a spirit behind some of that. There really is. So intellectualism. Cults. Flattery. So when they're telling you how great you really are, you know better, right? Yeah, you do. Could be a spirit behind it. Legalism. Uh, The spirit of jealousy, Numbers 5.14. If the spirit of jealousy comes upon him, comes upon the husband, and I'm not going to go all into this, but this this was in the Levitical law, and, and it's very specific, and I'm just pulling out the spirit of jealousy. When it comes upon him or the husband, and he becomes jealous of his wife who has defiled herself, and then he goes on, and then it says, or if the spirit of jealousy becomes upon him, and he becomes jealous of his wife, although she's not defiled herself. There's this whole thing. So, um, yeah, there's natural pain and rejection if unfaithfulness happens in a, in a, in a relationship, in a marriage. But in the Old Testament, they, it was, there was a spirit that can get upon that. The spirit of jealousy. It manifests in, this way, it manifests in jealousy. Maybe some of you have had to live up under that or with somebody that was affected by that. I grew up in a household with this. My father. And as a child, it impacted me greatly. Thank God for the cross and for the blood, for communion, for Jesus. Some of you grew up in the same thing. But what's it look like? Well, it's jealousy, anger, rage, cruelty, suspicion, unnatural competition, insecurity divisions, and there's, if, if I wanted to do a complete list, I would have needed several more screens and still wouldn't have hit, hit all the lists. You know the first Bible study I did after I got saved and figured out, how, and somebody told me how to use a concordance and what that was all about? Anger and rage. That was my first Bible study. Why? I was trying to figure out what in the world was going on with my dad. This. Later on, he received some deliverance in his life. Thank you, Jesus. The spirit of stupor or slumber. This is the last one. Then I'm going to transition here. Over in Romans 11.8, it says, Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor. Eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. He's talking, he's talking, about, he's talking about Israel. He's talking about those that had rejected uh, God's advances. And so there's the spirit of slumber. And, and this is kind of, um, this is, I, think this is, I think there's much more activity of the spirit in our, in our day than we, we ever give credit for. Let's go to the um, uh, definitions there. Constant fatigue. Now, if you're dealing with constant fatigue, my first thing isn't, oh, you've got a demon that's oppressing you. That's not what I'm talking about. There's a lot of physical conditions that can cause constant fatigue. There's a lot of just not sleeping. Anyway, a lot of... But if you've gone through all the lists and all that, and they're just like, man, we have no idea why you're just tired all the time. Uh, you take every vitamin, your cabinet looks like a drugstore. 
And none of it helps. Begin to ask Holy Spirit, is there a spirit that's trying to just bring constant fatigue in my life? Passivity, feeling like a wallflower and self-pity. When allowed, when this thing, when the spirit is allowed to control, this spirit blocks success and brings weariness to life. Do you realize that it's not God's will for you to be weary in life? But we're called to life and, and to live life more abundantly. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Okay, I want to go to some solutions here. By the way, if, if you come to a point in your life and you become uh, aware that you think there's a spiritual nature to some of these things that maybe you're struggling with, come and talk to me. Come and talk to us. There, you know, I'm going to give a few pointers here. We're going to talk about some ways to deal with it. But um, there are ministries. I'm, I'm talking to some people right now about having ministries in the church where um, people that need deliverance-type ministry can come and receive that kind of ministry. That's, I believe that's a wonderful thing within the church, and I want to see that happening here. Uh, but pulling down a stronghold, becoming an armed believer. So the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this a little bit, and there's a reason we've been talking about it, and it's to get us kind of where we start dealing on some practical levels with things called strongholds. But over in Revelation 12, 11, most of you will know this verse, where it says, and they, the they being us, the believers, they overcame him, the him being Satan, or the enemy, or these uh, spirits by him, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. There were three things that were happening here to make them overcomers. There was a threefold weapon. There were three, whether you call them different type, three different weapons, or just one weapon that had three parts of it, however you want to break that down. But I'm going to quickly go through these, this threefold weapon to overcome the enemy who would try to, um, if you create an opening in your life, trust me, he will, he will try to capitalize on it. Number one, the blood cancels Satan's right to oppose you. It's not just communion, but communion is that time when together, and you can do it by yourself or you can do it just with your family or whatever, but it's that, that remembering how important the blood. The blood cancels Satan's right to oppose you. That's how powerful the blood is. The blood is the most powerful substance. It's not a nuclear reactor. It's not even fusion reaction. It's not unending uh, energy somehow coming to the world. No, the most powerful thing that the world will ever see, and it's here right now, and it will never be overdone, is that the blood of Jesus Christ is the most powerful substance in the universe. Why? Because it has the ability to take the old things and cause them to become totally passed away and everything become new and just that hold down that thing. The blood cancels Satan's right to oppress you. So there came a time in my life, and I went through, I, Susan and I have been through, I, maybe some of you have heard the term, but there's a ministry called Sozo, and it's kind of a deliverance-type ministry, and, and um, they'll take you through. It's not regression therapy or anything like that, but when they began to kind of take, when I began to go through this Sozo-type ministry where they were just saying, um, what, you know, did it, did it uh, uh, an overview of my life, I, I realized that some of the things that I alluded to that were going on in my father's life really tried to dominate my life. And I can tell you that it took a time in my life for renouncing all of that and, and just literally declaring over my life and keeping my mind above. Every time something that, like that would try to manifest in my life, I just reminded the enemy, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. You're trespassing. You're stepping over a line that you're not able to, and I finally got fed up with it, and I'm saying, I'm not letting you step over that line. And before I did let you step over it, now I'm not. The blood cancels Satan's right to oppose you. The word of your testimony. Listen. It is receiving, but now the thing there's something that you're going to have to begin to operate in that is outside of you. It's not just being that wallflower. It's not just being that introvert. The word of your testimony. Release the word of God as a sword out of your mouth against the enemy. So is there that testimony? Devil, I'm free from that addiction. Or put in whatever, whatever opposition you're facing. I'm free of that. And not only is it a testimony where you recite it to yourself, I believe there's tremendous deliverance that happens when you begin to use your testimony to help other people go through the same type of freedom and deliverance that you've gone through and you help them. The Word of the, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. 
Jesus hung naked on a cross before the whole world so that you would go to heaven. He said, if you deny me in front of men, I'll deny you in front of my Father. Listen, it's the easiest thing. It should be the most natural response for every believer to say, look what the Lord has done for me. Now, I'm not saying go get an A-frame sign and stand out on the street corner and say, repent or you're going to hell. That's not what I'm saying at all. However, if you feel like you're going to do that, um, you know, we'll have somebody make the sign up for you. But uh, what, what I am saying is that so you're, you're, you're in this situation where somebody maybe you know or maybe you don't know or maybe somebody at work or somebody at home or something. It doesn't matter the circumstance. But all of a sudden, you begin to become aware that this individual has gone, has gone, is going through or living through what the Lord has set you free from. But you choose to not say anything. That's the wrong approach. What you do need to do is find the way, the Lord will make the divine opportunity to say, listen, I know what you're struggling with because I too, and then you can fill in with the word of your testimony. And the punchline is not about how bad it was, how bad, man, I went deeper in drugs than anybody in the planet, and that's all. No, okay, maybe you did, but at some point there's got to come to where you start giving the glory to Jesus, but he set me free from it. He delivered me from it. He'll do the same in your life. You overcome by this ability that God puts in your life to bring and release your testimony. I don't know how many times this happened in my life. Many. Very powerful when you begin to operate in that releasing the word of your testimony. The third thing is, uh, they overcame blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and not fearing for their own life. They, the surrendered life to Jesus, take all of Jesus' weaponry, capture every thought of the enemy, and cast it down. This surrendered life in Revelations 11. Uh, can you go to that uh, text, Michael? There we go. And they overcame blood of the lamb, word of testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. In other words, the greatest love that should be in your life is not about you just staying alive. There's something bigger that you're about than just being alive on this planet. And that is that you've been saved, you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You're not your own. Your life is a living sacrifice. And uh, you te- whenever you put these three, kind of uh, wind them together in your life and surrender that life totally to Jesus, it, it just brings a weaponry system upon your life that the enemy can't just roughshod run over you. He's given us weapons that we can live in victory. Seven steps to removal of a stronghold. Just going to go through them. They're not deep. They're not profound. They're not like, oh my goodness, how, how, you know, who could ever have thought those? No, it's just, it's basic stuff. But it's whenever you realize that as you uh, begin to implement these things in your life, as you begin to operate your mind and you begin to live these out, you determine with determination, this is the way I'm going to live. This isn't about even husband and wife as a team or family. No, you're, you're going to have to decide for yourself. This is the way I'm going to conduct my, my mind, my mouth, and my belief system. First, be sure you have confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, that's rudimentary here. I'm believing, you know, hopefully everyone in the room has. If you're here and you haven't today, today's your day. You can do that. We're here to help you do that. But in essence, it's just, it's just um, take inventory that Jesus is really the Lord of your life. Yeah, he saved you, but is he the Lord of your life? Because the areas where he's not Lord over will be the same areas. Oh, you're far ahead of me. Will be the same areas of bondage. Let me say it again. The areas that Jesus is not Lord of over in your life will be the areas where the bondage will just mysteriously show up. <laughs> so be sure. Well, how do I make him Lord? Confession is a good place to start. But then there's another thing that you go with confession. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Let your, let your acts of your life line up with your confession. And sometimes it's, it's a little work you've got to do on that, but it'll come if you, if you do it. Realize only God can remove a stronghold. Now, if it's just you doing stupid stuff, yeah, you can decide, I'm not going to do stupid stuff anymore. And I've had a lot of that happen in my life, by the way. And my wife thinks I still have quite a bit of need, too. 
I'm always picking on her. She, she. Okay, we will. Yes, dear. Uh, God is the only one that can really remove a stronghold. If this becomes a stronghold, and that is there's a spiritual dynamic holding you in that, 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 that bondage or that activity, oh, you, you, it's bigger than what your ability and your flesh is to deal with, but it's not bigger than his ability to deal with. Hmm. Uh, remember the scripture we read in Acts where there was that little, that, that young lady who, who was, um, she was possessed by a spirit of divination and she was telling fortunes and all that. And she kept following Paul and as he was preaching, she'd be shouting uh, things at him. And, and, and if you go through that, um, you know, Paul put up with it for a few days, which to me is the strangest thing about Paul because that's not what I see in Paul's life in any other place. He didn't put up with much suffering at all for any length of time. But this, he kind of put, and finally he just turned and he rebuked her and cast it out. She wasn't just a pain in his flesh because of being obnoxious. No, there was a spirit, a spirit involved. And God removed the spirit at that time. Anyway, the rest of the story is it, there's a whole, it, it caused quite a stir in the community. Uh, the third thing is identify the stronghold. You know, you need to take an inventory of your life. Yeah, that's just, that's just my nature. That's just me. That's, you know, the culmination of my life and the oddness that I am. And by the way, we're all odd. And if you feel that you're not odd, that's the strongest oddness of all. Ha. Oh, I just, there's so many things I can say. I won't. You have no idea how much I hold back. I really do. Um, but you identify. You identify strongholds. Um, and I believe that's somewhat seasonal at times. There's sometimes, you know, it's just going and everything's going right, and then all of a sudden I see things starting to happen in me that I'm like, where's that coming from? Well, it might be coming from me. It's easy to blame shift it and say it's coming from, but it's not her. <laughs> or them, or they, or whatever. It's not. But you need to be. The enemy is trying to make inroads into my life. You need. You need to take inventory of that and cut it off before it starts. Uh, another one is confess all sins related to the stronghold. <laughs> I worked with a guy, and he became one of my best friends. He still is. And uh, I mentioned him, I don't know, a couple months ago. I'm not going to go through that story, but we worked together. I was, I was working at a hospital in Coos Bay, and, and I was a security officer, and he was a fellow security officer. And anyway, long story short, he, he, he had been an assembly guard pastor, and I don't know what all happened. Oh, I do know what happened, but I'm not going to go into that. And he basically just started running. For, he was a modern-day Jonah, and he just he quit pastoring, he, and he was here in Vancouver. And, um, and he moved to the end of the world. Who's Bay, Oregon? Yeah. <laughs> he, he made a pretty good choice. The end of the world. He moved, he moved there. And, and, uh, and then to just cover up to where no one would ever suspect that he had been a pastor or even a Christian, he cursed more than the sailors down on the docks. Uh, and, and, and so he had me fooled. I worked with him for months. And I thought, this poor guy, he's never stepped foot in a church. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then one night, in the middle of the night, we're on night shift, and it's going through. We had a spiritual thing dealing with a lady, and, oh, a little 90-pound lady throwing five, through five officers all over the room like they were wet washcloths. And, and it was just, it was crazy stuff. And so we got back, and in that process, it did not happen to me. And that was the only time I even thought it was odd. This lady con- confronting, doing all this stuff, but it didn't happen to me. It happened to everybody else. And so we were back in the room. I didn't say anything about it. I was just like, thank you, Jesus. Praying in tongues under your breath is a good thing to do sometimes. <laughs> I actually, she began to call people's sins out, these four other officers. Began to call out generational things. Your granddaddy did this and that. And, and she'd come around the circle and come to me and just look at me and then go around that. And that happened like four or five times. 
She came around, looked at me, and I said, what you're doing won't work on me. You know what happened at that moment? She fell down. You know what happened after that? All, the, all four other officers looked at me. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> now back in the office, 2 a.m. in the morning, sitting there, and my coworker, in the mid, it's dark, we just look at TV screens, and out of the darkness, he goes, well, I guess I'd better spill my guts. And then for the next two hours, told me about his, about his life. We became buddies. The whole point going on is, you want to know one of the strongest thing that he told me that he had getting over? He came to our church. He rededicated his life, all that. In trying to be mass so that nobody would know he's a Christian and using you know, foul language, it created a stronghold. And he said, Gary, that was the hardest thing for, for me to break. As a matter of fact, it wasn't until I began to thank God for forgiving me for being a Jonah and all that kind of thing. And he did get free from it. He finally did. But this process, thank God for forgiveness. Sometimes you just need to thank God that you're not like you used to be. If you see the used to be trying to come back, I'm taking too long that. Visualize the destruction of the stronghold. I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to do that. Whatever, whatever, fill in the But you need to, visualization, yeah, the enemy use it. But this is simply setting your mind on those things above. The last one, ask God to free you from the negative demonic force associated with strongholds. There's going to come a point in your life where you're going to have to confront the negative things that are taking place in your life. Why? Because it's not God's will. God came to set us free. Remember Isaiah 61, where Jesus said, I've come to set captives free. Any area that is bound, uh, that, you're, that you're not operating freely in, that, that is controlled by, you know, not just negativity, but this whole kind of association, it's not controlled by life, but by other forces outside of life, is that um, you're, you're going to have to realize that uh, Jesus came to set captives free. He's not just talking about those in prison. He's not just talking about those who... He's talking about any area where life is up under captivity. Jesus is the one who sets captives free. You've all heard about the story, right, of the, of the bird that somebody caught and put in the cage and kept this bird there for a long time. And finally, one day, they opened the door of the cage and the bird just sat in the cage. Didn't know it had been let free. He's opened the door for you. You can go free is my, my whole point. Ask God to free you from negative forces that the enemy would try to take hold of your life on. Let's stand. We're going to do a little spiritual exercise right now. I wrestled with this message quite a bit about preaching it. I actually thought, you know, I'm going to do that on a Wednesday night. It'd be safer. (laughs) The Holy Spirit said, no, this Sunday morning. I don't care if you get one person together or you have a whole room full of people. This message is applicable on some level. I need it. You need it. Jesus came to set captives free and to heal the brokenhearted. Didn't even get in the brokenness. But... So just shut your eyes for a moment. Holy Spirit, let me pray for you. Just shut your eyes for a moment. Just take a Holy Spirit break for just this moment. Holy Spirit, begin to reveal to every person in this room areas that you want to minister freedom to them in right now. Lord, areas where they're being taken advantage of on whatever level it is. It doesn't even necessarily have to be demonic. Just the processes of life. Living in the flesh, living in a fallen world. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would reveal to each person right now any area where this morning you're wanting to set them free from. This little word that brought us 
for one reason, one reason only, that, Lord, you want, you want your people who are your children, who, who you gave everything for. You want them to live at their fullest capacity of joy and peace and happiness. No parasites hanging on, sucking the life out of them. I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you if there are any areas, anything in your life that he wants to help you with to get free from. And this is a very personal thing. But he's a very personal God. He'll get right up in the middle of all your personalness. (laughs) Yes, Jesus. Now I'm just going to do a little exercise. I'm going to ask you to do it with me. In your own words or somewhere, you can repeat after me if you want. Lord, I renounce anything in my life that is trying to hang on that shouldn't be there. Lord, I ask you to come and administer absolute freedom in my life. So that who the Son sets free is free indeed. We didn't even get into that verse. Powerful verse. We'll probably get into it next week or two. That who the Son sets free is free on every level. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, begin to reveal to us areas that we're living below. And it's not because we're choosing it sometimes. It's just sometimes we didn't even realize it. But Lord, we're living below what, what you really have for us to be living at. The level you really have for us to be living at. So, Lord, we just surrender and submit and commit all this stuff to you. And I pray that, uh, Holy Spirit, you will go with these people. And I know you will. You're an ever-present help. And whatever we're going through in life, that, Lord, that throughout this week, there are going to be things that were brought by the word of God to them today. That this week, they're going to see, okay, that's, he's going he's to help me in this. He's going to get me out of this and get me into what he has for me. In Jesus' name. Just tell him, I accept all you have for me, Lord. I accept every bit of freedom you have for my life. And I want to walk in it and live in it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He's able, church. He's more than able. He's incredibly, abundantly, beyond anything we can dream, think, or ask, able. That's the kind of God we serve. The enemy is an absolutely crushed, defeated foe. That Jesus' heel has bruised his head, but he's not coming back from the damage that was done to him. The enemy is a defeated foe. He's a lion that's on a leash, and the one who holds the other end of the leash is is Jesus. And he's a, he's a roaring one. He puts out a, a big shout, but there's nothing really uh, in the light of Jesus that he's got to back it up. And so, Lord, I pray today that we would walk those in, as those that are more than victorious. We would walk of those that somebody has won a battle that's so complete for us that it doesn't even, the enemy doesn't even uh, think about trying to defeat us anymore. The victory was that complete. Lord Jesus, that's the victory that you won for each of us. Lord, anybody struggling with any of those things that I read over those, over those lists, God, any of those areas that, a, that an enemy's spirit is trying to lay hold in a person's life in this room. I bind you and cast you out in the name of Jesus. You will not be able to torment and plague the people of God. No more. You're not allowed in this place. You will not function in this house. You will not function in the lives of these people that are covered by the blood of Jesus. And everybody said, thank you, Lord, for victory and deliverance in Jesus' name. Let's put our hands together. Thank you, God.